Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Colton Prater, and this is the Fires of Revival podcast. And as always, I'm honored that you would take the time to listen to today's episode. And for today's episode, after having our couple-week break there with me doing a couple episodes and messages and things, we'll be picking it up with our guest episodes. And for today, you're in for a very special treat, my good friend, uh, John Hibbard. He's on staff at the Temple Baptist Church here in Powell, Tennessee. He just graduated from Crown College this past year and is just recently on staff here and everything, serving in the music department. And he also likes to preach as well, and he's answered that call in his life. And I pray today's episode will be a blessing as he preaches and gives a lesson slash message from the Word of God on the topic of music and how it applies to us today as Christians. So let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for me to uh, record this broadcast to my friend. And I ask that you just use his message, Father, to make a difference in the lives of Christians worldwide. And that if there's anyone listening today, today, excuse me, that is wrestling with the topic of music, Father, maybe the wrong kind of music they're listening to, or whatever the case is, that you'll just use this message to get that music out of their life, Father, and purify their heart, purify their mind, and purify their music. I ask all this in your Son's name. Amen. Thank you, Colton, for having me on this morning. I'm thankful to be on this podcast, and I'm also thankful that as a 22-year-old, I'm, I'm not not a very old guy, I don't have a lot of experience, but as a 22-year-old, I don't come to you with my own wisdom. I don't stand on my own authority this morning, but I do stand on the Word of God, and that's all the authority that one needs. No matter what age, the Word of God is true. I'm not giving you my wisdom. I'm giving you the Bible this morning, so I'm very thankful. I'm not giving you my wisdom this morning. I'm giving you uh, God's wisdom this morning. I'd like to talk to you this morning about singing, singing with understanding, singing with spirit. What does the Bible say about singing? Singing is mentioned over 120 times in the Bible and is one of the most frequently given commandments in Scripture. It's given 55 times in the King James Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but if God tells us one time to do something, if he gives us a commandment one time, I believe that that's enough. But I believe that if God commands it 55 times, then that's sure enough times for, for, for me to do what God says. 55 times is a lot of times you can tell that God really cares about the singing of his people. I think we can safely say that singing matters to the Lord. But does the Lord care about how we sing and how we worship him with music? Does he care about that? Well, the Word of God answers this with a resounding yes. Let's look at some verses that tell us how the Lord wants us to sing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15. Would you with me? 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Paul says here to the church at Corinth, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. I think there's plenty of comparisons in Scripture between prayer and singing. I believe that singing to God should be something reverent in your heart, uh, just like you would even bow your head and close your eyes when you pray, just like you were talking to God. Well, you're singing to God also. There should be high standards for singing. Uh, I think of when the disciples ask Jesus, how should we pray? He also mentions that you should not uh, pray with vain repetitions. Vain repetitions. I think there's many places where 
when they're singing corporately, especially, there's a lot of repetition going on, the same phrase over and over and over and over again. Well, whether you're talking to God or singing to God, the Bible says avoid vain repetitions. That's something that God commands. We're not the ones who are in charge of how we ought to worship. God's the one we're worshiping, and I think we should obey him. Whatever he says, he's the one that we're worshiping. But here in this verse in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 15, the Bible says, I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with the understanding also, and then I will sing with the Spirit. And we'll, we'll, we'll make note of that and come back to that later. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Would you underline or circle that in your Bible? Sing with understanding. Sing with understanding. God's Word says we ought to sing and understand what we're singing about. How many of you have ever sang a hymn and had no idea or earthly clue what it was talking about? Um, How many of you know the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? It's one of my favorite hymns. Finish this line for me in your head, maybe. In the second verse, uh, the hymn writer penned, Here I raise my blank. Ebenezer is what's filled there in the blank. What a strange word to put there right off the bat. Here I raise my Ebenezer. There's uh, many, many different words the hymn writer could have chosen to put there, but why did he choose Ebenezer of all words? Who knows? Well, let's, let's find out this morning and, and see. 1 Samuel 7, 3 through 14. Let's read that together, shall we? The children of Israel are stuck in the mountains here at Mizpah, Mizpah, and the Philistines are circling them round about, and uh, Israel was just caught in sin. Verse 3, Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So we see here that Israel is caught in idolatry. And I think there's a very important formula to get away from sin. Formula to refuse sin. Number one, Samuel says, put away. Put away the strange God of Ashtaroth. Put away what's bothering you. Put away what's separating you and God. If there's something in your life this morning, Christian, I encourage you, if there's something in your life that is separating you and God, that's coming between you and God, put it away. Step one, put it away. And then Samuel says, prepare your hearts unto the Lord. Prepare your hearts. Pray. Spend time with God. Not only should you put away, but you should prepare your hearts. If you're wanting to serve God, then you want to prepare your hearts for God. And then thirdly, Samuel says, serve him only. Don't give your life service to anything else but God. We all have the same calling in life, by the way. We all have different occupations. Not all of us work the same job. Not all of us do the same things throughout a work day. But we all have the same calling. It's to preach the gospel unto every creature. Serve him only. And then the Bible says, He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Verse 4, And the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. They did what Samuel said. They obeyed the man of God that had been put in a place of authority. Verse 5, Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. Now, something interesting about pouring out water. Here is Israel up in the mountains of Mizpah. And just in case 
um, you haven't thought about this, when you read this passage of Scripture, what is something that you must have when you're out in the wilderness? What is something that you have to have to make it through when you're surviving in the wilderness? And the number one thing, it's water. Water is something that the Israelites could not survive without. And Samuel says, gather together, and they pour out their water before the Lord. That's a necessity. You know what they're saying? Lord, you mean more to us than anything. You are our one necessity. Sometimes uh, it's, it's hard to, to step out by faith in life and take something that seems necessary to you and pour it out before the Lord. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's your time. But the Israelites made a good example of themselves here in Scripture by saying, nothing else matters but God, and we will have faith in Him to provide for our needs. And it also says that they fasted that day as well and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines, the generals, went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. They were outnumbered, and they were stuck in a high place, surrounded with Philistines coming up this mountain. Verse 8 says, And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. I'm reminded of the verse, Pray without ceasing. The children of Israel said, Samuel, cease not to pray. God was their only hope at this point. So here we find the Philistines caught in sin, repenting of their sin and having a prayer meeting, stuck with no hope. Verse 9, here's where the worship comes in. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. Notice that word, holy. Don't half worship. God only honors whole offerings. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. These are the same men that just a second ago were crying, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, trembling with fear. It says they were afraid. And then at the end of this, in verse, in verse 11, we see that they're chasing them out of Mizpah. They're chasing them down the mountain. And in verse 12, Samuel says, or excuse me, the Bible says that Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin, and they called the name of it. Here it is. Circle this in your Bibles if you have your Bible out. Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And what's the result here? Verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Did you take note of that? Did you circle that word Ebenezer in verse number 12? That is a direct quote from Scripture. You remember verse 2 of, Come thou fount, here I raise my Ebenezer. Do you know what this song is saying? It's saying that, has there ever been a time in your life when you only made it through because of God? Has there ever been a time of desperation, of distress, that made it, that you made it through only because of God? 
Verse 3 says, call it to remembrance. Raise up your Ebenezer. I love how this verse continues. If you can't think of an Ebenezer in your life, that when you're singing that, you can't think of a time of desperation that only God brought you through. Listen to the rest of that verse. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the throne of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. What about when you were lost in your sin and could not save yourself? The Bible says, not by works which we have done, but through his mercy he saved us. It's only through Jesus Christ you gain salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ you'll continue to make it through any situation. Can I encourage you this morning? Sing with under standing. It really changes the way you sing a hymn, doesn't it? When you fully understand that, next time you sing, come thou fount, think in your mind, I'm raising my Ebenezer to God because it's only because of his help that I've made it this far. Now, would you please turn with me to John chapter 4. This is the chapter, of course, well-known, woman at the well. Verses 23 and 24 are the only verses that we'll read this morning. We're running out of time. Verse 23 says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, that means that there are false worshipers. I I think of there's some people with a theology that God will accept any worship from his children because he loves them. Well, that's a nice thought. God does love us with an everlasting love, a love that we can't fully comprehend. But I believe that that's contradictory to Scripture. I, I think of Abel and Cain in the book of Genesis. God had made it quite clear what the offering was to be for him. If you wanted to honor God and give him an offering, it had to be a lamb. God provided a lamb for them. God had set the example, set the tone for what the offering had to be for his people. And here we find Abel bringing him that lamb, but we find Cain bringing work from his own hands, work from the earth, what he wanted. It wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible thing. That was still something that God had created, but there's a difference. A lamb doesn't require constant toil and work for it to grow. That lamb grows on its own. The Bible says, not by work that you have done. I like the comparison there. Cain brought something of the work of his own hands. It's what he wanted to bring to God. There's many people who today want to worship God with what they have of their own hands, what they prefer, what their preferences are. Well, God rejected Cain's offering, and he says, it's not because I don't love you, it's because it's not what I've asked for. And it breaks my heart that many people today are bringing half worship to God. They might worship him in in truth, but they're not worshiping in in spirit. or, Or You can't have one without the other. It's half worship. Half worship is not worship at all. You cannot bring the works of your own hands or your own preferences to God. You can only do what God has commanded us to do. So we see in Scripture, God does not just accept anything that we throw up to him. Verse 23 says, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. How? In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. I love that. God is right now seeking actively searching, looking for true worshipers to worship him in, there's two criteria, spirit and in truth. Verse 24, God is a spirit. 
They that worship him, circle this word, would you? Must worship him. There is no other option. Must worship him. And how? Spirit and in truth. There are two criteria for worship. Two. It's spirit and a truth. We'll start with truth. Truth seems so simple, doesn't it? Just take the truth from the word of God and worship with those truths. The truths that God has given us through his word that have been revealed to us through his word. Sing with those. Pray with those. Live those truths. Worship with those truths. When we sing, it ought to be nothing but biblical truth. Nothing extra biblical. Nothing more, nothing less. Yet we look at the mainstream, contemporary, modernistic, I should rather say, worship services today. And sadly, in some songs, God is not even mentioned. There's a church in my hometown that even plays pop music, not Christian music, in their worship service. Uh, Some mainstream artists, I think, uh, there was one uh, man who we talked to uh, here in this area who was at a mainstream church. Uh, you know, something like Life Church or, you know, Revelation Church, uh, you know, trendy name. And he said he'd been trying to, to attend there, but they had been singing uh, a well-known Katy Perry song in their worship services and said they were just roaring for Jesus. Well, what truth is there in that? What happened to the truth? The Word of God has been put on the back shelf If we're going to sing, which God commands us to in His Word, then we must sing. There is no other option. We must sing with biblical truth. God give us some men, some leaders who will get up in their church and say, we will only sing, we will only worship with biblical truth. But when we sing truth, how should we sing this truth? How should we worship and song with this truth? Well, the Bible says we must sing in spirit, not in flesh, not in some emotional, soulful show, not lackadaisical, but in our spirit. When truth is exalted in our song, not a performer being exalted, and no, not even the music itself should overtake or overwhelm the truth. But when truth is exalted in our song, the Holy Spirit will speak to you in your spirit. And, and can, I, can I leave you with this? You, there are three different parts of you. There's your spirit that's awakened, that's made alive when the Holy Spirit indwells you when you trust Him as your Savior. There's your soul, that's your emotions, that's uh, part of your intellect, so to speak. That's your feelings. And then you have your flesh. That is what uh, you naturally want to appease. That's your pleasure. Some people will want to uh, make something emotional happen. They'll try to make things happen. Even down to, I was having a conversation with uh, a young man here recently, one of my good friends, and uh, he's majoring in audio engineering. And in these audio engineering classes, they will literally teach you ways to produce a song to affect people's emotions different parts of your brain to affect your emotions and how you feel during a song. Did you know that even in churches, there are people who have knowledge of how they're going to try to affect someone's emotions during the song? And did you know that there's people who want to use a certain type of music just to appease their flesh? There's a certain type of music that makes them feel 
good. Well, the Bible says it's not about that at all. We ought to have a purely spiritual, as in the flesh is not involved. Your, your emotions aren't playing with you. Emotions are not stable. They aren't, they aren't solid. They change from time to time. But the truth in a spiritual, did you know that the God uses the truth to speak to our spirit? That's what the Holy Spirit uses to speak to your heart is the truth. And if there's anything overcoming the truth, even if the music is overcoming the truth, if there's something that's reaching your foot or reaching your body before it reaches your heart, there's a problem. God isn't being able, he's not able to work in your spirit like he ought to because there's emotions. Now, there's a reaction to truth. If you, based off the reaction of what, the realization rather, of what God has done in your heart when you say, Lord, you have done so much for me. God, you are so good. When you get a true picture of God through the truth and that moves you to tears, that's different than having emotional experience based off of music. Or even a fleshly experience, worse, based off of music. God says, I'm a spirit. If you want to worship me, you have to worship me in spirit and in truth, nothing else. Not spirit or truth, spirit and truth. God's not interested in some religious show. He's not interested in fancy lights, fresh music that's hip to the world or anything else we can put on ourselves. He's interested in someone who sings truth to him with an undistracted, pure spirit. He's not interested in anything we can put on. You might have good intentions. You might try to worship God in, in how you see fit or in a way that you, uh, you're comfortable with. Well, worship, can I remind you, is not about you. You don't set the rules. Don't be so selfish to think that you get to decide how God himself is worshipped when he himself dictates how it ought to be in Scripture. Line by line here, we find it very clearly. Worship is all about God. Can I encourage you this morning? Sing with all your heart. Sing in spirit and sing with understanding.